Hey everybody, I'm Amber. And I'm Maddie. And, and we're, we're Witches Talking Tarot. Tarot. And we've brought you a show all about the occult. We're talking different lores and mythology. Yes, creature features, cryptids, aliens, you name it, we'll cover it. Conspiracy theories. Absolutely. And pagan holidays and 100%. All eight of them. Yes. Spiritual living, you yeah. name it. That's right. We've got it for you. So if you want, come sit with us for a spell and let us make you laugh. We are Witches Talking Tarot. Thanks, everybody. What's up, Rewatchers? It's Dustin here to let you know that this show may feature strong or inappropriate language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. Also, we assume that you've at least watched the show or the episode we will be discussing. If not, just be warned that there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's your fault because these shows have been out for a while. <laughs> Enjoy. Sometimes I was trying you to think of something stuff. quick that I could just throw in the in the oven. Yeah, I ended up like making some toast with some butter and jelly. <laughs> that was my dinner. <laughs> I need a little bit more. We're adults. <laughs> I mean, I did eat Chips Ahoy for breakfast, so this is why I need to eat a real dinner. Oh, goodness gracious, Chips Ahoy. Wow. Here's the thing. Is it that nutritionally different from cereal? No. No, it's or not. Donuts. Or, exactly. Yeah. So like it's not worse. It's just more like, yeah. It sounds really worse, not. but like it sounds worse. It's not it's just worse. like granola bars with like chocolate all over them. You know. That's what I mean. So like it's bad, but uh, you know. Hello again, rewatchers. Thanks for joining us once more for season one of The Magicians. I don't know why I was doing this lispy thing at the beginning. It sounded like the, the beaver from Winnie the Pooh. Seriously, guys, thank you for listening to The Magicians. Why am I talking like this? Stop. Okay, I'm Dustin, and with me again is Orlean. How's everything going, eh? It's okay. <laughs> After my long-winded opening, and you, I get it's okay. Okay. All right. That's fine. So, yeah, we just had a little delightful game of Would You Rather Break Bills Edition, and it'll be over on the Patreon this Tuesday. So, you know, just go sign up for it. $3 a month. Not much. Get a lot of extras now. They're building up. And send us notes. your, like, Break Bills Would You Rathers, and we'll answer yeah, them. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Re reach out to us. Tell us what you would rather. Or would you what do you think give us the which scenario. would we rather yeah there you go wow okay i don't know if i'm ready for this so yeah so this week is episode nine and it's called the writing room hmm. it's very mysterious Ooh. what were we thinking right before watching this one what did you think it was about maybe hmm are you sure it's the writing room I think it's the writing room. I'm okay. going to look this up one more time. I think it's the writing room. Because, yeah, last time I said, oh, it's the writer's room. And right, now, now I'm like, unsure. 
Okay, why? My IMDb is like taking forever to load. It's like, no, Dustin, you shall wait. You shall wait to look this up. I'm almost there. It's almost complete. Here it comes. Oh my goodness. It's the writing room. Okay. Hmm. That's what so, we're considering what we just found out last episode, even more of Fillory is for fucking real, um, I think <laughs> we're going to see more about where the Fillory books came from. That's yeah, that's what I was like. The first thing I thought was writing Fillory. Mm-hmm. All I can go with. So, anyway, so I'm recapping this week and we shall. Get started right about now. Yeah, take it yeah. away. Woohoo! Previously on The Magicians, Elliot found out Mike was possessed by the beast when they met. Thus, he and Elliot were not a real item. Ah! Julia met a chaplain at the rehab center that her sister sent her to. His name is Richard, and he's a graduate of Breakbills that wants Julia to start worshiping deities for magic now or something. Mm. We also found out that Eliza was Jane Chatwin all along. What? And a possessed Mike ends up killing her and squeezing her head or throat or something when it pops and it's really bloody. Then Elliot kills him before the beast using Mike's body could escape. Quentin complains to Dean Fogg that now that Eliza is dead, he can't get answers about Fillory and the Beast. Oh no, what is he going to do? He's going to whine about it. A little bit, a little bit. And now we're back to the magicians. Quentin wakes up next to Alice and a narration of Julia's letter to him is heard as he moves about the house shirtless in his boxers. And of course, he's a fucking sharp fucking boxers guy. Sharp. I said sharp. He probably sharps too. Yeah. What was that? Why did <laughs> you say know. that? That must have been Freudian. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so this is what she says. Dear Q, I don't need to tell you how fucking pissed at you I am. You probably got the message around the time I incepted the shit out of you. I don't understand why we fell apart after being friends forever. Anyway, I'm sorry for my part. I never meant to really hurt you. I put it down. I got help. I know you're not supposed to say that the other person fucked up too, but you fucked up too. And it broke us. And I hate you for that because I really miss us. Q, I'm working on forgiving you, Jules. Yeah, he really did. He was mean. He was. And I'm like, not bad. It's not bad. She's taking, but she's also in her, she's taking her responsibility for stuff she did. Because she's not completely innocent. Everybody, you know. Yeah. But, you know, but she's also calling him out on his BS. I mean, and of all the people you expect to help you, it's your BFF. Yeah. And, he you know, you can, I mean, you could totally hear him already, like, responding to this. Like, I don't have to be forgiven for shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can totally like, hear him doing it. Just sit down and think about it. Just come on, you know. And then we see him in what looks like a cleaning supply closet of some type. I don't know why, but there's like a full on computer, not just a laptop, like a desktop computer set up. In this cleaning closet. It was weird. I was yeah. looking. I was like literal stuff. Anyway. So yeah. He says. Jules got your letter. Guess we're both still mad. But I'm glad you're okay. I really am. Take care of yourself. I'm sorry too. Q. Kind of fuck off Quentin. Like. Did we feel that? Like. For me, it was filled with, like, animosity and defeat. Yeah, I don't think that's helpful. Like, maybe he should have just sat on it for a while and not responded. Yeah. 
and but, oh, and also the whole "I'm sorry" two part. Did it even make it into the final draft? Because he didn't actually narrate that part. Like we heard his narration of the I whole letter. I don't think he's sorry, that. but I also don't think he's thought about the situation really. Like no. he's so into Alice and break bills, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, Julia, the non break bills." Uh, I don't have time for her BS. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So then we see Julia in a park with Richard, and she says she can't stop thinking about the magic that she performed and that spell that he gave her where the deity floated her up, you know. And he asks her if she's heard of penance, to which she jokes, what, 50 magic lashes? And I'm like, girl, you've been shown that there are gods to appease and you're making jokes? Like, maybe don't make jokes about that stuff. You know what I mean? They obviously can do things. They made you float. I mean, come on. Um, I don't think Julia has a healthy fear response. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She doesn't like, you know what? I'm going to tread lightly. Nope. Yeah, she just like goes for stuff and she's like, why would I be afraid? You're like, uh, there's reasons. Uh, anyway, so he then asks if she remembers the spell to get into Quentin's mind that she did. And she does. And so he suggests, you know, why don't you use that to help somebody instead of hurt somebody? And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I could see it being used for like a nice like magical therapy of some sort if you needed to, you know, for some reason. With consent. Yeah, with consent or, you know, something. If there was, you know, if, if it's – and also if it's going to be done right, obviously, not just somebody walking around in your brain. But, yeah, I mm, – there's some ethical crap with that. I don't like, you know. So now we go to Quentin's bedroom. And Alice wakes up to find Quentin looking around the room for something and asks what it is. And he explains how Eliza apparently gave him the answers for everything, but he lost it. He lost Fillory Book 6 on his first fucking day there. And she asks, you know, but she does. Oh, my God. She asks the dumbest question that she should ask. Like, I don't know why she asked this question. She's like, did you look for it? But he didn't. I mean... He did because it was in the he looked all over the room where else would have been. You know what I mean? Yeah, but ever since and Eliza just said something similar that was like, and lost things are never found. Yeah. But I mean, he does give her this look like, are you stupid? Of course, it's a fillery book. Of course, I looked for it. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, he looked for it. How hard you did you look seen for it, Quentin? Because I, I don't know. Maybe this time when you look, you're going to find it. He did ask about it, too, and, and then Eliza told him, basically, don't worry about it. Except for yesterday, where she was like, and lost things are never found. Right. And so, like, like well, he wait. should look for it. I know. That's what's funny, because at the beginning, she's like, oh, don't worry. Things don't, it'll find your way. It's back to you. And then it's like, oh, no, it's not. Like, wait, what? Yeah, what message are you trying to give me? All these conversations she had with Fog, where she's like, we're out of time, and it's happening faster than I thought. Like, we haven't really talked about that meta conversation they've been having this whole time. Yeah. But, like, there is a timeline somewhere that we don't know about. It's really strange how all this uh, – yeah, I, I don't really know how it figures out. But mm -hmm. anyway, so, okay. Um, he explains to Alice that Fillory always decided when the Chatwins could come and go, right? And mainly because, like, the twin gods of Fillory, their names are Ember and Umber. And they would get mean and take everything away. And this is Alice's words because she's actually starting to – she boned up on her Fillory homework. And she, you know, all right, I figured I got to know this shit. So I did my research. I'm like, good for you. You got to hand it to her, right? And then he kind of infers that the gods have their reason for not allowing him to have the manuscript 
like he thinks that they've taken it from him and alice is like it's a manuscript not a referendum on your character yeah i mean <laughs> come on quentin not everything is actually about you I agree with that. I mean, it's very true. Like, but it, it's also, if you think about it, it, especially now that you've learned about the magicians and you learn about Fillory, all this stuff, it's hard. It would be hard for you to know what is fated and what was because of you as a person. You yeah, know what I mean? And I think Eliza told him there's no fate, which he, by the way, like didn't really listen to anything she said. <laughs> yeah. I like don't... one of the early conversations, I'm pretty sure she said like, Quentin, there's no fate or destiny for you. It's just very – she's very contradictory in a lot of things that she says. So it's kind of like, what do I listen to, you know? I don't think she's ever told him he has any kind of fate, though. No one here has. No, I know. But, like, how do they know it's him every time? That's kind of a fate. You know what I mean? Like, he's fated but to – But it's not him every beast. time. That's why okay. early on somebody says something like, oh, you're here this time or you're doing this this time. Yeah, I don't know. It's fairly we we getting too far along in the yeah, storyline of things. Yeah, there's so many like bits and pieces that we can't connect yet. Yeah. So anyway, and so she ends up like, "Hey, why don't we do this locator spell?" Essentially, and we cut over to them with some random hallways of the campus, with Quentin holding this metal bowl that they started the fire in. And as they walk around, if the if the flame in the bowl turns blue, they know it's the wrong direction. It's kind of neat how it mm -hmm. works. And the flame gets redder as they get closer to a classroom and they go in and Penny is in it. And Quentin's like, hey, I knew it. I knew it. And he brings the bowl even closer to Penny and it gets redder. And Penny's like, I, no, I didn't take your freaking book, you know. And he's like, yes, you did. Look, you took it. He goes, fine, I did. I freaking took it. Like, I did it because I was bored. And that's why I'm like, what an asshole move. And then you made him, you know. He, he knew, he knew that you took that damn book and you did and you made him, oh, makes me mad. Wait, why didn't the fire take them to the book? I don't know, but it took it to the person who took the book. But many people have had the book. Wouldn't it take them to Eliza? Like, that's what I don't get. I don't know. I don't get it that's either. I don't know. Weird... I thought maybe he still had something on him. Maybe maybe it was a page or something, but maybe the, he did The show I... needs more uh, Penny Quentin conflict. Yeah. We, we'll just do this. They just keep running them into each other. <laughs> and then, you know what? I'm Okay, so I also asked myself, okay, so he took the book because he was bored, right? He says he read it, spilled his beer on it, and then he threw it away. That's what he says. Who throws but away like, a book? I know, it's so weird. And But it makes me ask, like, I wonder if he did this, not because he was bored. He thinks he was bored. But maybe the beast got into his head because he did admit that he had been talking to the beast in his mind. At, before he even mm. became came to break bills so maybe he kind of did some kind of juju to make him get the book oh i like that Quentin. because i don't buy it that he says he was bored because he tries to portray this like i don't care but we know he does care about things so yeah i like that take i know and i was like uh maybe he was really interested in it i think he mm -hmm. liked it a little bit more so yeah so yeah he said he's read it and everything and he threw it away and but Quentin is like, I'm not defeated yet. He asks Penny if he remembers what he read in the book. What did you read? I want to know. And Penny's like, uh, I'm in ish. I remember ish. <laughs> A little bit. That also makes me wonder, like, was Penny blacked out during this kind of thing? Yeah. See, it kind of makes you go, hmm. Like, did the beast also? Yeah. Like, does the beast have multiple possessions that are happening all the time? Yeah. I don't know. 
But um, Quentin says he needs Penny to do something, and Penny interrupts and says, "He's like, I'm going to punch you in the throat. That's what if you tell me if I need to do anything." And this is where I side with Quentin. He comes back saying that the Beast is after them both, and why can't they just be basic allies? And Penny laughs at this, and Quentin says, "You can't possibly want to be a dick more than you want to live." I mean, pot, meat, kettle. What did you say to Penny last episode? Something about how he was some like um panty dropper who can't keep track of his girl what what'd you say quinn <laughs> i'm just saying they're both antagonizing each other i get it i get it. I, I agree but he is making a point though okay can we just drop this for a minute and just be allies sure. for a second so we can get this shit done which i agree with that like yes come on it affects us both let's do this so penny tells him first of all the original author christopher plover didn't write it didn't write book six. Jane Chatwin did. What? Yes. And this astounds Quentin as Penny continues. Jane says that he, she was going to correct the story and the other, that everything in the other books got wrong. She added like that Fillory kept forgetting Martin and that it didn't want him. And when Martin complained about it, Jane said she would find a way to get him to Fillory. And she was going to, catch a quote questing creature to grant her a wish which we find out is some like one of like five animals or something mm-hmm. and special beings and if you catch them they have to grant you a wish it's weird but that's what quentin says so penny keeps like getting this animal thing wrong he's like okay so yeah she caught a dog no way it was a pig and then they, he doesn't say the third one but i guess it's a weasel or something i, I guess what it kind of looks like and they're all wearing these like Shakespearean fanned out neck cuff thingies, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> what is that called? A collar. I have no we... idea. You know what I'm talking about? The little yeah, just a collar, a frilly it's collar. It's a collar, but I it's like know. fanned. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you know, Victorian. Yeah, I don't know. So they and they also they always speak to Jane and say hello, human child, <laughs> <laughs> every single time. And she's got a bow and arrow, and she's like, by the decree of Ember and Umber, if you know, you know, if you're ever caught, you have to grant me a wish. And so she wishes to unlock the door to Fillory, and the weasel thing grants it, leaving a button behind in its place. And this sends Quentin on a whirlwind of thoughts because he's like, Oh my god, oh my god, this makes so much sense. Oh my god. And he's like, Martin went cuckoo looking for a magic button in one of the books, and there was no information about it other than that it was magic, and that was it. And so that makes sense of what this button thing is. And he's like, oh, my, I know what it is. We have to go to uh, Christopher Plover's house and look for it. And Penny's like, I'm not going. No, I don't want to go get a direct ticket to the beast. Fair. No. I mean, I get that. And then, but he's like, no, no, no. It's better to have one to him than him have one to us. I mean, yes, but you don't know where the button takes you. Exactly. I'm like, you don't know yet, buddy. You don't know what this thing's going to do. And Quentin deduces since Penny is probably the only one who's read the manuscript because, you know, he, he's the only one who read it and then the thing disappeared or he threw it away. The button is likely still in the same place because nobody knows about it. Right. It's still Plover's house probably. Well, he except says, Jane. Jane might know. She knows about it, but mm-hmm. I'm sure she just didn't know where it was. And he says he's going and says Penny should go too. And Alice is like, well, I'm going to go too. And, you know, because why not? And Penny disappears before Quentin can ask him how they should get to England. 
And then we get the magic opening theme. Now we're at the physical cottage. Yay! Quentin and Alice return to get packed up for their trip to England in a solemn Elliot. This is kind of like sitting there in the corner. And he's like, you're going to England? And like, oh, hey, Elliot, how's it going? And he has this twink, this kid with him. Um, not kid, but you know what I mean? Like young person. And he says, scurry along, Ronald. Even though the guy's like, my name's Raymond. <laughs> Elliot's so camp when he's sad. And it's going, he's being all dark. And he's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the guy walks off. And it's obvious Quentin is concerned about Elliot. He's like, you know, we're, we're okay. You all right? You good? We're just going to England. And he's like, you know, you don't need a plane ticket to go because me and Margo made a door to our favorite pub. And they can just go whenever they want to get anywhere they want to go to from there. That's amazing. Like, I want that. Like, I want that door. Yeah. I want random doors in my house that'll go anywhere. <laughs> I'll take yes. that power. That'd be awesome to create. Man. Uh, and they, yeah, they just can, can go anywhere they want to. They just want to go to England, go there. And his reasoning is that uh, <laughs> he's like, I want to go because Margo's still in Ibiza and Ronald gives terrible head. He's not his fault. He has TMJ. <laughs> what is Margo doing? How long? I don't understand. I really think it's only been like two days and she was supposed to be gone for three, I but really... a lot has happened in these two days. Okay. That's the only, I, I really do. Like they got back, I think the day before. It just seems like there's been so many days. I know. It's just because there's so many episodes. So many things are happening like really quickly. <laughs> yeah. In the course of a week. My God, I would, I'm leaving the school. <laughs> I'm done. I Can I not sleep and breathe, please? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so basically Elliot's bored and he's so fragile right now and he just needs a good distraction. That's what we're getting from that. So we jump over to the Peregrine Convalescent Home. What? <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? And Ju- and Richard is taking Julia to visit someone named Kira, who is catatonic in a wheelchair. He tells Kira that he brought Julia to help them with something that they talked about. And he asks Julia to lock the door. And I swear, this feels so freaking shady. I don't like it. And I don't know, like like I was saying, I don't know why people don't just tell people things instead of just roping them into stuff. Like, well, just tell them. I don't know if she would have agreed to this. Well, you know why? Because it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why. That's probably why. Like, And then that, that should tell you, clue you in. Hey, this guy's shady because he does shady things like I this. Know. And ropes you into things without you knowing. Makes you an accomplice. Ugh. So his plan is to have Kira think of a place. He goes, Kira, think of a place, a place that you love. And Julia, why don't you go into her mind with that spell you know how to do, like you did to Quentin? And she's like, what? And like, okay. And they start to spe- they start the spell, and we zoom in on Julia's eye, and it's just completely filled with blackness. And now we're just like, Julia. We hear like Julia panting and panicking. She's like stuck in this void or something. And she's looking around for like Richard and Kira and no one's answering her. And it's, it's freaking frightening as hell. Yeah. Because, I mean, we can only hear her. I'm like, that's it. No, thank you. I would go insane immediately. Like, mm-hmm. nope. Oh, you broke me. I'm done. 
<laughs> so she creates a fireball in her hand and lights it up and she discovers that she's in a freaking coffin. Oh! And she's like, I know, no, thank you. No. She's like, somebody stole Kill Bill. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't think you're gonna punch your way out of this one, okay? And she pleads with Kira, Kira, let me out. I, I don't want anything. Just let me out. And nothing, no response. He's like, come on now. I I know a lot of spells. I'm pretty advanced. I know how to make myself fireproof. And then she starts to light the coffin on fire. And it's starting to become engulfed in flames. And I'm like, I hope she's confident in that spell to keep herself yeah. fireproof. Oh, my God. I know. And then all of a sudden, boom, she's sitting on a park bench next to Kira. And Kira's like, look, I needed to see if you were the real deal before I let you anywhere near me. I'm like, okay, that's fair. It's your mind. I mean, I get yeah, it. Yeah, but none of this should be happening. No, no, it really shouldn't be. Ugh, but I respect her boundaries. Okay, that's fine. So she shows uh, Julia that this formula for a spell. She's like, hey, look, see this? And it doesn't, it didn't work before, but now she knows it can because she's been working on it in her mind for years. And she was working on it before, but her body gave out on her, hence why she's in a wheelchair. And she couldn't complete it. So since she's been stuck in her freaking mind all this time, she's worked it all out, but she can't tell anybody about it. And she can't, you know, give it to anyone. So she materializes a piece of paper or not paper, actually a little notebook and pen for Julia to write down the spell. So she can remember it later when she leaves her mind. I'm like, that's a good method. It's good mm -hmm. because I mean, it is easier to remember if you've written something down and it's even better to remember it if you literally like like if you learn it and you immediately go tell somebody else about it you're gonna remember right. it mm -hmm. so like that's that's what you need to do so that's what she's gonna do i guess now we're hopping over to the christopher plover's estate in england quentin allison elliot and penny are all on a tour group of the estate with a bunch of other, other people and of course quentin like corrects the tour guide <laughs> Oh my god. Actually, that's not true. This is what happened and like, oh, shut up. I mean, I get the urge, Quentin, because you know, but like, come on. <laughs> like It's don't, actually don't kind of unbelievable that Quentin was even considering going to college and not becoming uh, a tour guide in Christopher Plover's estate. I mean, really, right? Like wouldn't that be like his dream job like to yes. be there? I yes, plot hole. That's a good plot hole right there actually. <laughs> So they get to a hall of pictures for like the Plover family. And we see the author Christopher Plover is played by none other than Mr. Sheffield himself, Charles Shaughnessy. Oh, I liked him. I know. Yeah. This <laughs> kind of ruins that. But anyway, um, so the tour guide talks about how Christopher had was a champion for children and understood them because of how tragic his childhood was. He says, Christopher gave aid to neighborhood kids and paid for his housekeeper's children's education and briefly took in the Chatwins when their mother died. Mm. And mm -hmm. that legend has it that Jane found Fillory through a closet in this very house. Ooh. Like, oh, my God. Mm. Quentin is eating this up. Yeah, Loves there it. could be nothing bad here. No, not at all. No, totally not. Yeah, so Quentin's like rushing into the writing room with his little digital <laughs> camera ready to like he's taking I selfies. Him. I hate Quentin. I mean, come on though. If you were you went to somebody's like, oh my god, my favorite person in the world's house is where I gotta go for my mission. I mean I wouldn't go. That's the thing. <laughs> you wouldn't go? <laughs> 
I'm gonna get the. I had to go find this thing, and it's in my favorite person in the world's house, and I have the ability to do it. And everybody else is going with me. You're not gonna go. I'm just saying I don't have a favorite person like Quentin has a favorite person. Okay. You know what I mean. <laughs> not somebody you're obsessed with, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, it's so funny because, like, the tour guide's talking and, like, Penny looks over and sees Quentin, like, reciting lines from the book along with the tour guide. And he just says, you will never be a man. (laughs) I'm like. I mean, I don't appreciate the toxic masculinity, but the message is like, yeah, grow up a little bit. I mean, yeah. I mean, not everybody who's a geek is uh, about fictional stuff is going to be a man baby, right? Okay? Right. It's not true. But like Quentin is. (laughs) But in Quentin's case, it's questionable, yeah. You're like, "Mm, maybe. So later that night, the quartet returns to break in into the Plever home and look for the button to Fillory. Elliot uses his telekinesis to break the security camera. And he's being all dark and somber like a goth kid in like an early aughts sitcom. Like, I don't know what, I was like, what's up with this? Like, yeah. And it also reminded me of the South Park kids with like the hair in their face, like flipping the hair back, you know? He's like Eeyore with flair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With better, <laughs> with a better wardrobe. Um. So yeah, I love how they walk into the house and just like turn on the lights, by the way. They just start turning on lights everywhere. No one's going to notice that from the outside. Right. You know, this house <laughs> is always dark at night. No one's there. It's just lit up like a damn Christmas tree. Ugh, whatever. They're not good at crime. They are essentially really prep school students. Okay. They're bad. It's like, oh my God, they're horrible. And Quentin laments how Plover's desk saved his life. This desk saved me. And it bonded uh, me and Julia. Uh, and, and they're uh, like, yeah, and you broke that bond. Shut up. Like, Yeah, that bond didn't seem to mean much, bro. Yeah, didn't. Nope. He said he had more. He had his first big breakdown at age 16 and his, you know, and that his brain breaks sometimes. I'm like, okay, that's good to know now. Like we would have been, it would have been nice to know before about him. You know what I mean? Like from the beginning, a little bit more of the history. And it's not just him over. Cause at the beginning you're like, oh, he was overreacting. He put himself into mm-hmm. like mental institution, right. even the people at break built. But if he'd been having this since he was like even younger and it's been going on, it's not the first time. And it's, and he, fa- you know, his dad got in the, the the fillery books and he really got into them and it it was a, an escape to help him feel less broken or whatever. Oh, oh, you know what it was, Dustin? It what? was a crutch. Oh no. Oh, oh. Oh, what what what? Jab jab jab. There we go. You got it. That's what you got it. You have it. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. So, yeah, Elliot tells them to stop lovebirding because I just found Plover's safe, which he then promptly breaks into. And Quentin finds a letter from Christopher Plover's sister to a lawyer. And it's known that Plover had died of a heart attack in 1952. But the letter says he just went missing, not dead, (gasps) even though the sister is requesting a death certificate for him to be issued. I'm like, hmm, cover up maybe? Hmm? Is he missing? What? Where did he go? So, yeah, they figure the same. And Quentin figures that since the Chatwins went missing in that neighborhood, they decided, and Plover, you know, going missing at the same time or not long after, it would create too much of a stir. So they probably said he died instead. Yeah, because it sounds like he kidnapped and murdered a bunch of kids. Yeah, and then he just went missing. <laughs> right. And took them left town. Like, I got your kids. <laughs> Bye. You know, like fucking Krampus or something. Oh my God. <laughs> 
So I'm like, that's what I, I thought I got from that. That's right? Like, that's, like, that's sketch. <laughs> yeah, it's very. So Penny finds a bunch of magician's textbooks, specifically ones used on traveling as well, <gasps> that he's re- he recognizes. And so they conclude that Plover was trying to be a, a magician as well as actually wanting to be a traveler, most likely to go to Fillory. How did he but find I, out, though? I mean, and also, how did he know he was any he was going to be a magician? Like, how did that mm-hmm. all come to light? How did he find? How did he get this information? Unless he already was one, or like, how did he find the shit out? I want to know. Right, like, because like fillery and like magic are not the same thing, and so how would he even know about magicians? Right, because they're not like magicians wandering around Fillory all over the place, from what I understand. Maybe there are. I don't know. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I have so many questions. It's strange. So Penny says that Plover was probably trying to spell, trying a spell and blew himself up or something, right? That's what happened mm-hmm. to him. And Quentin's like, no, I, I want to believe that he he probably traveled to Fillory. And I'm like, Ugh. I hate Quentin for this, but at the same time, I kind of agree with him. It's because it's obviously more to this than the dude just simply blowing up, you know? Yeah, but he's saying that thinking of Fillory the books, not the Fillory he's learning about. Yeah, not the one, the dark place that he's (laughs) figuring, you know. And then someone passes by the doorway while they're all in that room talking. It's like, oh, crap, who is in this place? So Elliot takes a drink from his flask and offers it to Penny, and he's like, it never empties. I'm like, see, there is good use to magic. I was going to say, like, how does he always have liquor? I know. That would be awesome for any kind of drink or any kind of food. Yeah. Or I'm sold. That's mm-hmm. I, If I could just do magic and have that, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm golden right there. So Alice and Quentin follow a sound into the hall, and, and it says, foreboding music. It's like what <laughs> Netflix said. I, I had the captions on. And uh, I'm like, oh, foreboding. Ooh. Mm. And Alice sees a door shut. And so she starts to approach it slowly. But then she hears children making sounds in a room across the hall from her. And it's like, you can't, I can't really hear it. But it said they were whispering really quietly. Mm. We're trapped in here. Help us. Oh, I couldn't hear that. I know. I couldn't hear it either. It said it on the captions. Ah, okay. I could hear. And then I kind of listened. And I could could barely hear it. Like, Mm -hmm. barely. I don't know how anybody would hear that. But, you know. Either way, it's time to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm calling Ghostbusters on the, way, on the way back to break bills. That's totally fine. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Anyway, so apparently Quentin didn't hear the children. And Alice starts to open the door. And then the tour guide from earlier shows up. And he's like, you set off all these alarms. You got to get out of here. And Elliot's like, how much is it going to you know, pay for you to mm-hmm. look? How much is it going to cost for you to look the other way? But the tour guide doesn't relent. And Penny figures out, you know, you're scared of something. What's going on? Why are you scared? And the guy will only say that, you know, you shouldn't be there at night. Bad things happen at night. And they're like, what? Uh-oh. And Elliot's like, all right. So he does some handwork and he pre- prevents, like, shows this little ball of light in his hands. He goes, I'm a super villain. Now tell us what we want to know. <laughs> I just love how he's like, so this pop culture whimsy and it's just kind of nonchalant. Um. Yeah, so the guy starts to tell them about the book they found and, the, and that Plover was involved in dark things and that Prudence, his sister, didn't want others to know. Suddenly, the light flickers and a figure pops up in front of the guy and then all of a sudden the light flickers again and they vanish. Both of them are gone. You see a quick figure, like a silhouette of somebody. Mm-hmm. 
And the group's like, what the hell is that? And they run down the hall and around a corner and they find the tour guide now dead on the floor with like, it looked like blood coming from his mouth. And Elliot's like, uh, I'm going to say the smart thing. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. the most sen- here you go. Most sensible award. There you go. Um, they start to leave and we get a better look at the guy whose throat is slit and his mouth is sewn shut. No, 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 no. I don't think so. Get out of me. No, no. no. Ugh. So as Quentin and Penny run out of the house, they notice that Alice and Elliot stayed behind. Why? I don't know. They were right behind them. What happened? And of course, they immediately go back in. I'm like, why bother having them leave in the first place, writers? Like, <laughs> wait, they know where you are. You wait outside. They'll come. Yeah, this, I don't get it. We jump back to Kira's mind and Julia is still writing down the magic formula that Kira's giving her when Kira asks, like, how did you meet Richard? And so Julia tells her about the rehab and that she didn't go to school for magic. And Kira's like, I didn't either. I went to MIT, but I studied magic through the lens of science, which I, you know, for me personally, I always thought that magic and stuff like supernatural stuff is always scientific any, anyway, just maybe just mm-hmm. not stuff we completely understand scientifically. Yeah, there's a yet. way to study it. We just don't know it yet. We, we, mm-hmm. we know ways to detect stuff, but not as much as, you know, right. how to work with it. So I'm down with Kira. I like how she's going with this. And she says, mm-hmm. it all adds up if, like, you have a natural bend to it, right? Mm. And which makes Julia says, like, I wonder if I'm meant for it or not. And Kira's like, it, you know, it doesn't have to amount to anything. And she says one of her favorite memories was, like, I was in the same park with my girlfriend we were sitting in the rain and we were doing a spell that makes like a rainbow for 10 seconds. And they were doing Aww. it over and over and it was just sweet and simple and just a mm-hmm. nice, happy time. It's a perfect memory. And I was like, that does sound really nice. You know, it yeah. sounds really lovely. It's something you would look back on and go, I love that. That was so good. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, Hey Julia, like once you show me your favorite memory. Right. And so Julia's like, all right, fine. So they go, she takes her under like a dining room table and Julie's like, this was when I was 10 years old and I was hanging out with my friend Quentin and we would just have our own little world down here and nobody would bother us. Aww. And we would just read fillery books for hours. And Kira's like, I love those books. I'm like, of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. Everybody read the fucking fillery books in the magician's world. So she looks up and under the table in colored marker is a map of fillery drawn out. And my first thought is how my mother would have killed me for doing this to her table, whether anyone would see it or not. Yeah, no one will ever see it. She would have been like, what the hell did you do? She would have flipped that table over and painted it. Like, I'm not kidding. She would not have liked it at all. Oh, man. I think it's cool, though. But my mom would not. No. Anyway, so Julia says, even though they were playing, Fillory felt real to them. And Kira says to basically, like, remember that feeling. Remember that feeling and chase it because it's the best way to find out who your real self is kind of thing. Mm. I was like, I like her. I like her little guidance she's giving right here, you know. There's a lot of talk in this season, like bits and pieces of finding yourself, becoming yourself. I think that's an important theme. Oh, yeah, totally. Because it's all about discovering your real self in this, Mm -hmm. you know, so. So back at the Plover house, it's still nighttime, and Quentin and Penny come back into the house to find the others, and they hear children running around upstairs. Oh, like, no, no. 
And then even a voice saying, come in here, please. Nope. No. Nope. Penny's right. Elliot and Alice can handle themselves. I am out. Yeah. <laughs> Get the hell out of there. And then we see um, Penny like unclips a velvet rope barrier and they go into a room with sheets covering everything. And Quentin calls out, Hey, is anyone or anything here? And a fucking bowl, a ball rolls across the floor over to them from the dark. No, (laughs) no. Any movie you see that's a haunted house movie. There's always a damn ball that rolls from out of nowhere. You don't, you don't want to be there. Yeah. Because you don't want to know who rolled that ball. <laughs> I agree. Get out. Come back in the morning. Yeah. Let's just not do this right now. Okay. Let's just not. So like, ugh, no. So Quentin calls it, you know, uh, he picks it up and I'm like, don't pick up the damn ball. And Penny's like, he goes over and he hears like, like music and he picks up a cloth and it's a ballerina music box that's been playing on its own. Uh. And Quentin's like, okay, we get it. There are ghosts in here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like my matter-of-fact approach to ghosts yeah. as well. I'm just like, hey, I know you're here. I'm not going to sit there and go, all those who abide. Like, no, we're not <laughs> doing that. I know you're here. We're talking like normal people. Just don't bother me, okay? <laughs> That's how I work. We're not doing that. I ain't playing those games. So then a dead boy shows up. It says, I tag you, you're it, before running off. And of course they nope. follow him. No. Nope. <laughs> Like don't I don't want ever I don't want ever see a ghost kid like say I tag you you're it no, no thank you he shows up at another hallway like looking healthier by the way in the second time they see him and he's like I tag you you're it <laughs> and he runs off and Penny's like do we need to go after this kid and Quentin's like what else are we gonna do <laughs> oh my God aren't British children the creepiest they are I tag you you're it. <laughs> Oh my god, that damn Doctor Who episode. I know I told you about it. You've seen it, right? Are you my mommy? You've definitely told me about it. Oh my god, it's freaky as hell. Yeah. Are you my mommy? Oh, oh no, thanks. So yeah, I'm like, wow. Just walk into possession by this point. Just just go ahead and do it. Then we cut over to Elliot and Alice, who are sitting in chairs, and they're all tied up for some reason. When a little girl comes in and offers them a cookie or something and like Elliot leans in, takes a bite. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be taking a bite. You from shouldn't any... eat any food offered you by supernatural beings. It's not yeah, safe. I wouldn't eat it. And it's probably moldy. Like it's not even real, you know, like, ugh. yeah. He asks Alice, Hey, do you know Popper 23? And the girl's like, no, no magic in the house. Mm. Like what? And they said, they need to be good or she will come and come and take them to the quiet place. Ooh. And I was like, okay, we'll be good. And then the lights flicker and the stingy, the stingy looking woman comes in and immediately goes to tie up the girl's hands. And I was just like, Hey, don't do that. And the woman just shoots her a glare. I'm like, watch out, Alice. Yeah. And Alice walks up, excuse me. The woman walks over to her tray of tea and starts putting like drops of some, obviously a drug into yeah. each cup. And she says they are naughty and they need to leave him alone. She tells them to drink their tea and Alice obliges. But then Elliot like looks over at the little girl and she's like shaking her head like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And the woman looks at the girl and goes, drink it. And the little girl does. And then the room goes blurry. And like, I, oh my God, it bothers me so much. Child abuse type crap like this. Oh mm-hmm. my God. I just, mm-hmm. I didn't like it with flowers in the attic. I don't like it with this. Okay. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, content warning for anyone who hasn't seen this before. Yeah. Well, hopefully 
hopefully it's not, it doesn't bother me as much to hear about it as much as it would to see it, you know? So, oh, totally. This show is pretty good about not exploiting this. No. They, they, they give you the basics and that's all you need. Mm-hmm. But um, so Penny follows the boy to a room. Like we go back, back to Penny and Quentin and he follows the boy to a room. And when he looks in, the boy is behind him at the end of the hall and then runs off. And it's like, well, what the hell? <laughs> he sees a boy go in the room. And he's like, I'm over here. Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not fair. And so they see it. And then the boy runs off and right behind him, we see Christopher Plover walk by. And Quentin is like, oh, my God, fanboy moment. He like he's like determined, like, oh, my God, we're being shown this for a reason. There's got to be a reason for this. Right. Mm-hmm. And Penny's like, yeah, it's a time slip. It's just something that like Professor Sutherland has talked about a lot. And she apparently loves ghost stuff and all that kind of. I'm like, I want to take her damn class now because she sounds awesome. Um, Just like I'm, I'm sensitive to like go sleep things. So mm-hmm. I would totally just soak it all in. Right. But anyway, so a time slip is like uh, what Penny explains is a movie of like past events repeating over Mm, and over in in a certain space. So then they see Jane Chatwin and Martin Chatwin go upstairs and they're, oh, my God. So they follow them. And Jane tells them, hey, hurry up, Martin, as she goes and opens up a random closet door in an upstairs hallway and steps into Fillory. The door like closes right behind her and Martin runs up to open it and he opens it up and it's just a plain closet. And he's like, why'd you leave me? Why did you do that? And he's like, Amber, Umber, what did I do? Why don't you take me anymore? Mm-hmm. And it's really sad, actually, because yeah, you're like, why? Is. Why are they doing this to him? Right. I'm like, I wonder why they didn't take him. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't remember what that was, what that was about, but I don't know. So then that's when Christopher Plover comes around the corner and asks where Jane is. And Martin says she went to Fillory and Plover's like, oh, it's all right. Let's go have some tea. Us left behinds ought to stick together. And he puts his arm around Martin's shoulder and he starts walking off. And I'm over here just, oh my God, I'm just cringing mm-hmm. because I know where the story is going and I'm just, it makes me so fucking uncomfortable. So then the housekeeper's son that they were chasing earlier shows up and grabs Quentin saying, she's coming. And Penny turns around to find them suddenly gone. But the mean woman is back and I'm like, I, I don't know who this is. This is Prudence or the housekeeper they haven't said, right? Right. So she she hits Penny. And then, boom, he wakes up, chained to a wall in what he call, what she calls the quiet place. It's obviously a basement. Mm-hmm. Of course, being Penny, he's like, I'm not going to shut up for anybody. I don't care what she says. And then she's like, no, 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 no. If you don't shut up, I'm going to show your mouth shut. God. Hence what happened to the tour guide earlier. I'm like, okay, I'll shut up now. Don't, don't sew my mouth shut. Thanks. Back over to Elliot, who's trying to wake up Alice. He does a spell in Arabic and is able to break free of his ropes before untying Alice, who is finally coming to. And I love how he says they need to leave before Mrs. Danvers comes back. (laughs) I love that reference. It's good. It's good times. If you didn't read Rebecca in high school, you're missing out on good old-fashioned pop culture references here, guys. So, just FYI. So they walk to the ghost of the housekeeper's daughter to ask her where the button is. But she just says her tummy aches and starts coughing until she keels over and dies. Oh, God. I'm like, what the hell? This house is a nightmare. It is. It's like, I don't want to witness this. This is like the worst things you could see. And like, I'm with Alice. I'm completely concerned that they're just like reliving this over and over. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Elsewhere, Quentin sees Plover talking to Martin in his study, saying that they should get to work. But then Jane runs in, announcing that she's back from Fillory and she has what Martin asked for. So Martin's like, let's go out in the hallway. And she shows him the button. She got the button. And Martin doesn't want to show Plover the button at all. She's like, why don't you? He goes, no, no, no. I don't want to show him. But he, they catch George peeking in on them. Who's the housekeeper's son? Mm. And that's the one they've been chasing that Penny and um, Quentin have been chasing. And so they're like, hey, come here. Let's play a little game. Play hide the button. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So he takes it and he puts it in his pocket. And then Quentin sees this. And I'm like, why would you want some random kid to hide this button? Right. Wouldn't you want to be able to get at it if you need to? Yeah. I didn't understand that. What was the goal there, Martin? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It seems strange. Back in Kira's mind, Julia has finished writing out the formula Kira gave her and she's ready to leave. And Kira gives her advice to like, hey, just forget the school. Like, stop worrying about break bills. And then she quote says, the world never did help a smart girl. Why would it? We scare the shit out of the world. I'm like, nice. preach it. Preach it. That is facts. Also, yeah, don't worry about the institutions. Yeah. You're fine. You're good. You're doing you're doing fun on your own. You're already figuring this out. She adds, if the world was after you, take it as a compliment. Nice. So yeah, that's true. So there's something you got something, basically, is what she's saying. She's awesome. I like Kira. So Julia asks to come back sometime, but Kira's like, no, I need you to do me a favor. Can you can you just kill me? I appreciate that. Like, what, what now? What now? What? <laughs> I'm like, no one said anything about assisted suicide. What the fuck? Yeah, you generally don't spring someone on that, spring that on someone in the moment. I know. Can I come back and visit you? Uh, I'm not going to be here. <laughs> I would like it if you would actually help me die right now. Could you just do that for me? Thanks. I know you like me now. Like, I would be fine. She should have just acted like a bitch the whole time. That way it would be totally fine with killing her, you know? Oh. Not totally fine, but you know what I mean. So, yeah, Julia pops back into the hospital with Richard next to her, and she gets mad because she realizes he knew the entire time what this was all about. He tries to put a spin on her like, well, you're paying retribution or some crap. No, she doesn't owe shit. No, it's skeevy. She didn't owe a damn thing. It's just crap. He's manipulating her. And she says, what if there really is a hell and this takes me there, like doing this? And he says, well, they're both, you know, well, we're both already going to hell. I'm like, so I don't care why? about you, Richard. I'm not concerned about your soul. I know. I'm like, why make it worse? Like, why would you make like, you know what I mean? Like, right. That didn't make it better. It was just like, well, we'll be in hell together. And it's like, I'm trying not to. There's no logic in this argument. Okay. Richard is being a literal dick. He's being like a cult leader. Exactly. Dickie. Dickie Richard Dickerson. I don't know where I'm getting that from. But anyway. She asks what she's supposed to do. And he says, whatever is hardest. What? 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 Richard? What? I know. Heck? At least provide some like spiritual guidance here. Because he's not really a spiritual person. That's why. <laughs> I know. He's not a preacher. Ugh hate this crap so time slip shows jane and martin back in plever's study as the that woman gives jane some tea and then she gives like christopher plever this knowing nod and plever like smiles at her before she leaves and then jane just kind of passes out obviously drugged mm -hmm. 
And Plover grabs a camera and tells Martin to do what they did like last time. No. And Martin says he doesn't want to, but Plover's like, come on, I do all these things for you and your sister. Come on. He's like, I wasn't treated that nicely when I was a kid. I just want to pay it forward. I care about you and your sister. I just want to help you. That's basically how he does it. And he gets the kid to undress in front of him. That's and awful. he's taking pictures of him naked. The kid's like, it feels very much. Do you ever see fame? No. Oh, my God. Irene Cara's part. Mm-hmm. The scene where she thinks she's going to go to Hollywood and be a star. And the guy's like telling her, come on, baby. Don't you just want to show a little more skin? Oh, you want to be no. a star, don't you? It's And she's crying during the whole thing. <gasps> it's like, it's horrible. Oh. It's, it's rough to watch. It's a rough scene. But anyway, I digress. So, yeah. Um. He basically, yeah, he does that whole thing. And he's talking about fillery and magic while Martin's, you know, standing there naked mm. and he's taking pictures of him. And he's like, yeah, I, I found some magic books. And I might have to grow extra fingers for it. Ha, 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 ha. Like, okay. And then we see that Quentin and George, the housekeeper's son, uh, have been watching through the vent in the next room. So they see everything that's going on. Oh and God. then the, that woman comes in yelling at George for spying. And we find out that that's Prudence Plover's sister. Which is really kind of screwed up about what what's up with their relationship. I, she knows what this guy's doing. Yeah. Like what is what is wrong with of, her? Of like evil, I can't really comprehend. Yeah, because she's like helping all this happen and she's right? drugging why, children and stuff. Why like, would you? Why? I don't like anybody that much. And where's the housekeeper? Why isn't the housekeeper in the house? I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> I just I'm, the kids were there and they she just killed she kills them. Because she's her struggle with George, and I don't know if she kills him here and just kind of knocks him out or knocks him out or kills him downstairs. It's one of the two, but he goes down. She takes, she, tear, she carries him off, right? I can't talk. What the hell? She goes, to the quiet place. That's what she uh. says. I'm like, my God, what the hell, woman? Can you imagine, like, Quentin's childhood dreams, like, shattering right now? Learning all this crap went down with his, like, childhood hero. Honestly, the way the show did this, I can't think of any other show that pulled off this kind of mind fuck upside down, like, change. It's so good. Oh, like, it's, it's great. It's so disturbing, but it's so in line with, like, how Quentin has been learning about this world. Right. And they do it in short scenes. They're not, like, really long scenes where you're seeing, like, really uncomfortable things for too long. Right. You know, it's just, like, really quick. And you're like, oh, my God. You know, and then. Mm-hmm. That's it, which I like. I'm glad they get through it really quick because I don't want to see that, you know? Yeah, just the, the implications even are enough. Exactly. I am, yeah, I'm down with you there. So later outside, the group meets back up, but Penny's absent, which apparently they don't seem concerned with at all. And Quentin tells them that what Plover did to Martin and says he can understand why Martin wanted the button and because Plover was a freaking monster he wanted to get away from. Yeah. Like, yep, his dreams are shattered, like, completely. And then Quentin realizes the extra fingers comment. Oh, my God. He made that comment about needing extra fingers. And so it just kind of, and like, he's like, oh, my, it, they're going, it, Plover's got to be the beast, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's, he's already a monster, obviously, a freaking pedophile. And he so. was obsessed with Fillory, too. Exactly. He was studying all the magic stuff. So it kind of makes sense. And that's when Penny finally shows up. Apparently he traveled down the road and got landed in a tree <laughs> when he was trying to get a Prudence's dungeon. And he says, that's where George was taken. 
And they're like, oh, George had the button. And so they hatch a plan to get Prudence out of the dungeon so they don't run into her so they can go in and get this right. And uh, that's where, like, he, he like, corners, he gets, like, Prudence shows up and is like, I'm going to get you kids or whatever. You shouldn't, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to the quiet place. And so Quentin shows up behind them and shows pictures that he, you know, of what the pictures that Christopher Plover took of Martin. She's like, oh, he's like, yeah, there's more of them. They're hidden all over the house. So I want everybody to know that, you know, ruin Plover's reputation. She's like, no. And she like d- disappears. And so he's like, okay, we got at least t- 10 minutes. I'm like, why do you think 10 minutes? <laughs> right. Where did she go? Do you think it's going to take 10 minutes to find all these pictures or did you not hide them well enough? Like what's going on? Either way, take that bitch. Right. Um, so we're back in Kira's mind and Kira's eating ice cream when Julius shows back up and tell her like, hey, by the way, we're doing what you wanted. And you start to see like the light slowly fade around them, like kind of going down like spotlight like. Mm-hmm. And Julia's like, all right, uh, thank you. And she pops out of there just as Kira dies from an overdose of some sort because we see Richard putting up a needle. I'm like, don't you think somebody would know that this is what happened? Can you do magically something to her? Like. Well, that, but also I think if you die in any way that seems natural, they don't do autopsies. So it would probably be like, okay, she passed. It was Tom or something. Yeah. Right. Now they're back at the Plover house and they find the corpse of George, like buried somewhere in the basement. It'll kind of look like where you would put coal or something or ashes from like things that have burned. God, that's dark. I know. It's really sad. And Quentin fishes out of the button out of the pocket of him. And on their way out, Alice insists, hey, we need to go back and help those ghost children. And all the guys were like, no, we're not going back. They're all skeptical of this. And she's like, come on, we need to help. And this is where Elliot gets dark, mm-hmm. where you're like, Elliot, come on, man. He gets really mean. And he says, you know what? She was, it's not fair what happened to them. He goes, you know what? It, did, it wasn't fair what happened to those kids. But guess what? Life ain't fair. So why should death be? He then says she has a monumental ego for thinking that she can help. I'm like, uh, she does usually, but this right here is a little different. Yeah, but I don't the, think this is about her ego, actually. No, but the kicker is he when he tells her, who the fuck do you think you are? I mean, you're just some arrogant little twat. So suck it up. Whoa there. I'm like, hot damn, Elliot. Crossing <laughs> lines. lines. He's being a, a see you next Tuesday. That's for damn yes, sure. Yes, he like, is. Oof. God, that was just like, I mean, and you know what? I love how Quentin's like, shut the fuck up, man. Yeah. I'm like, good for saying something, but damn, I would have punched him. Like, that's just, that was too much. It's too mean. It was too mean. Like, come on. And Quentin says they need to go and they leave. So like, and they leave and the ghost children like watching them leave. I'm like, oh, that's really sad. They show back up at the cottage house. And Elliot and Penny drink, and Quentin tries to comfort Alice, but she says she's okay, even though she admits she's lying. And he starts to lament how, you know, he can't stop thinking about the beast since that day in class. And now knowing that Plover was a pedophile child molester, he, you know, now I really want to kill him, right? Mm -hmm. And Penny asks to see the button that they went for, and Quentin brings it out. And Elliot remarks how it just looks like an ordinary button. But Penny can, you know, he can, he's like, Elliot remarks that it looks like an ordinary button, but Penny's like, no, I can feel the magic coming off of this. Can you not feel this? And everybody's just kind of looking at him. Oh. And he, he takes off the lid that's on, you know, the buttons inside this little case. And Quentin's like, just be careful. You might want to put that away. And then 
of course, egotistical Penny's like, look, I've been training with Mayakovsky and I don't travel if I don't want to go somewhere. Okay. And then he touches the button and poof, he and the button are gone. Crazy. Who could have seen that coming? (laughs) I don't know. End of episode. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, yeah. Rewatchers, where did Penny go? Is he in Fillory? And what is Fillory like, actually? Because shit's getting real dark real fast. Yes. And will Alice find a way to go back and save those ghost children from the Plover House? I mean, look, it's so interesting to think about how they all started these, like, fresh new characters just nine episodes ago. And now Penny, here's a woman who's chained up. And and now Alice has these ghost children on her conscience. Mm-hmm. And oh, I want to know what happens with Kira's spell. I want to know what the hell that formula does. Oh, yeah. So why was she working on that so diligently? Like, what like, is it? What was the goal? It must have been something really important, right? So At least important to her. So, yeah. What does it do? We have a lot of questions, people. We want to know things. If you have some answers or you have some theories, if you've never watched this before and you just want to talk about the show in general, give us a shout out. Go ahead and reach out to Oraline. She's at Spooky Oraline on Twitter and Instagram. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap. Or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. Woo! Excuse me. Woohoo! <laughs> Let's see what happens next week in episode 10 titled Homecoming. Somebody's oh, coming it's home. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad knowing this show. Oh, yeah. Anytime there's an episode called Homecoming, bad things go down. You ever notice that? There's always stuff that happens, something scandalous or whatever. Yeah, but in other shows, you might be like, oh, there's going to be a dance and a breakup. And in this show, you're going to be like, a dragon will eat everyone. <laughs> Watch your loins, everyone. Watch them. Guard them. I don't know why I said your loins, but apparently. I don't either. Like dragons will eat the whole you. Yeah, they're gonna go with those loins first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for myself and Orlean, thank you again for listening, and see you next time. Keep your travels grounded for now, y'all. <laughs>